They're hard. They're work. But they begin with uh, understanding what is your vision? What is God's vision for your relationships? You know, we've been talking about being on this uh, on this journey, right? Uh, and on our trip. And, you know, we've talked already about the, the binoculars and, you know, we got to have uh, God's vision for our lives. And so now we've been looking at at uh, each one of those, and, and last week, remember, we talked about the boots and having God's vision for what our relationship to, with Him uh, ought to be. And today we're, we're talking about, so what is God's vision for our uh, relationships? Now, when I go on a Boundary Waters trip, I always take, uh, you know, a couple, four of these, and everybody that's on the, in the group, all, every canoe in the group uh, has one of these. These are like the most awesome things because they're, they're GPS units, and uh, they tell you not only where you are, but they also tell you where everybody else is in the group, right? And they got this cool feature where you can also talk to each other, you know, the walkie-talkie thing. So when you're out there in the wilderness, you're able to know through this, you're able to know exactly not only where you are, but you're able to know where everybody else is in, in the group, and, and you can talk with them. It's a cool gizmo, don't you think? Would not go into the wilderness without one of these. Why? Well, because what's the worst thing you can do and have happened to you in the wilderness besides a bear and all the other stuff, but the idea of being in the wilderness and being absolutely all alone, right? Being lost, being absolutely all alone. Well, the same is true for us in in this walk, in this wilderness walk that we take, in this journey we take, as, as we're trying to be the people God wants us to be. And so, as we take this journey, we, we need to have a vision of what God wants our relationships to be. And today, what we're going to try to do is look at what God's vision is for our relationships, but also look at what the counter side of that is, what so often we can, we can let our relationships become, right? We've got the vision of what God wants, but unless we take the time to understand, well, but this is what relationships can become, we'll never understand the fullness of what God's vision is for us, right? As we start, it's to understand that relationships are vital to us because, well, we were created to be uh, relationship people. We were just made that way. We are just wired to be in relationship with one another. And we can see it in Genesis, and I've, I've pointed this out to you before, but good, good thing to remember, right? Uh, notice it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us, right? And then down towards the bottom. So God created human beings in his own image. Now you notice the our and you notice the us, right? So what is God doing there? He, well, he's talking about himself. But notice he talks about himself in the plural, our us. What's that all about? Well, it's God's way of showing to us the Trinity. It's God's way of showing that in his nature, he is a God of relationship. In his own nature. He is a God of relationship. And if the end is true, that we were therefore made in his image, what does it mean we are? Well, if we're in his image and he is a God of relationship, it means that we are also going to be creatures of relationship. It's just wired into us. That's just the way we're made. And the same is true about us if we're Christ followers. If you're a Christ follower in the room today, then you need to know that when you were recreated in Christ... You were recreated to be in relationship with other Christ followers. The Apostle Paul uh, makes it clear. He says it this way. 
In the same way, even though we are many individuals, okay, many individuals, but Christ makes us one body and individuals who are what? Connected. You see that? We are connected to each other. It's part of, if you're recreated in Christ, if you're a sold-out Christ follower, you've got to understand this, that you are by nature in Christ in relationship with other Christ followers. You can't avoid it. It's part of the way he recreates us. It's the way God created us in the beginning, and it's the way Jesus recreated us, is to be a connected people, to be a people who are in relationship with one another. Uh, so often I get in some dialogues with folks, and, and, and you, you do this too, and you'll hear somebody say who, you know, who may not be, you know, doesn't come to church, and they'll say something like, you know, all that's important is just my relationship with God. That's all I need. It's me and God. Just me and God. Heard this before? Sure. And, you know, how do you argue with that? You say, no, it's not you and you. No, I mean, it's the boots, right? That's what we did last week. It's talking about, hey, the vision God has for our relationship. Absolutely, that's vital, important. You bet it is. But here's the problem. The problem is the New Testament tells us what we just looked at is that it's also a relationship that goes this way. We are connected. We are absolutely connected. It's you and me. It's we, right? And, and when you put those together, that's where you get the cross, and if you only have God in me and you're missing the we, you don't have the cross. You, you don't have the fullness of the cross. The fullness of the cross is that Jesus died not only to restore my relationship with God the Father, but Jesus died to restore the vision of my relationship with my fellow Christ follower. He restored the ability for our relationship Together, And it's both of those things together that make the cross. And if you only concentrate on this, you're missing the fullness of the cross. You're missing the fullness of the cross. Why? Well, you were created to be in relationship and you were recreated to be connected to the body of Christ. You were recreated to be connected with other Christ followers. So then we have to ask ourselves the question, okay, so what is God's vision this? vision then for our connection. How do, we, how do we do this? What's the vision that God has for our relationship with one another? And what is, what is the counterpart? What is the destructive vision that the world wants to uh, have us have? Right? Let's look at that. There's a few things we can make obvious and, and lift up from Scripture. One is to understand that the destructive vision, the destructive vision is a vision that is self-focused, right? It's, it's relationships that say, well, yeah, I'll enter in this relationship, but what am I going to get from it, right? I'm going to enter into this relationship with you, but, but you better deliver because it's all about me. I'm going to enter into this relationship, but the relationship is only as good as I get what I want to get out of the relationship. Those kinds of relationships are destructive relationships. James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Aren't they caused by the selfish desires that fight to control you? So what causes fights and quarrels among us? Selfishness. Got it. Right? Yeah, I mean, those relationships are destined for conflict. I mean, they're just destined for conflict. Why? Because one part of the relationship is always taking, 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 and taking. 
And when you're always taking, taking, and taking, eventually the other part of the relationship is going to say, Enough! I'm empty, okay? Enough! Those kinds of destructive behaviors, that's the stuff that destroys relationships. And, and it's prevalent in our world. And in fact, our world supports those kinds of relationships. Let me run uh, one phrase for you and see if it connects for you. Ready? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What's that all about? That means I can go to Vegas and I can get all I want because when I'm there, it's all about me. You see, it just reinforces this mentality that says, listen, it's all about me. And so I translate into my relationships and I make my marriage and I make my relationship with my kids and I make everything out there, my friends. I make it all about me. Guess what? That's destructive stuff. Destructive stuff. That is not God's vision for our relationships. What's the counterpart? The counterpart is God's vision for us of being humble people. We can see from Proverbs 28, 28, selfishness is going to cause trouble. Selfish people cause trouble, but you will live a full life if you trust the Lord, right? If we make a translation from being selfish people to a translation of living the vision that God wants for our relationships, and that vision is being other-focused. It's being other-focused. Look what Paul says. You cannot fool God, so don't make a fool of yourself. You will harvest what you plant. If you follow your selfish desires, self-focused, you will harvest what? Destruction. But if you follow the Spirit, now if you make the transition to the vision that God has for your relationships, if you follow the Spirit, you will harvest eternal life. Don't get tired of helping others. There's the vision. There's the vision. Other-focused. Don't get tired of helping others. You see... God's vision for our relationships is that our relationships will be other-focused. That we will always be looking for the opportunity to build the other up, to serve the other. His husband saying, honey, what can I do for you? How can I make life better for you? Wives saying to husband, honey, what can I do? How can I make life better for you? Just looking at your kids and saying, listen, what can I do? How can I lift them up? How can I make life better? Your friends, your work, your employees, your, your boss, whoever it is in your relationships looking at the opportunity to do something good for them. And this is the key. Having a vision and an attitude that says, I'm going to constantly look for the opportunity to do good for somebody else. Let me give you an example. And uh, this is what happened in uh, one, of, one of our folks around here, one of our families around here. Great example of what's going on at Christ Church, right? Of living other focus. So they're, they're out and about, and they're traveling down the highway, and as they're traveling down the highway, they look ahead and they see this elderly woman, you know, who's way up there in years. This elderly woman is about halfway down her very long driveway out in the country, this very long driveway. She's about halfway down the driveway. The house is here and the mailbox is across the highway here. And she's like this with her walker halfway down the driveway. They look at that and say, you know, we should just stop and help. So they pull over into their driveway, they pack her into the car, they drive her over to the mailbox, get her mail, back up, take her back to the house and help her get back into the house. How awesome is that? Now, they could have driven by, right? They could have driven by and made a smile, but they saw an opportunity to be what? Other-focused. 
Now, what's cool about it is they just made a relationship. They're, they're going to see this person later today. They did this yesterday. They're going to see this person later today. They made a relationship. See, it's just a simple example of looking for having a vision and an attitude that says, I'm not, I'm not just going to do that. I'm going to look for, I'm going to seek the opportunity to do something good in somebody else's life, to be other-focused. Paul says, consider others more important than yourselves. Just straight at it. Care about them as much as you care about yourself and think the same way Christ Jesus thought. See why to do this? Why? Because that's just what Jesus did for you. That, that's what was on his mind, you. That's what was on his mind when he was being whipped and beaten. That was what was on his mind when the nails were being pounded. That was what was on his mind when he was breathing his life. He was doing this. Why? Because he was you-focused. He was you-focused. He was giving up his life because he wanted you to have life. And, and we walk in his footsteps. It's for us to have a vision for relationships that are other-focused. Number two, so often our relationships can also get distracted by this thing called self-pride, right? Self-pride. Proverbs 13 says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Pride leads to conflict. Now, the self-pride we're talking about shows itself uh, pretty obvious. In most, most cases, the self-pride that the Bible is talking about here shows itself in a critical nature, okay? In a tr critical nature. It's that critical nature in relationship that sends the message to the other person. You just don't measure up. I do. I'm good. I'm I'm good. You? Yeah. Mm. Right? It's it's the self pride that somehow gives this 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 aura about us that says somehow we're better, we're higher, we're more mature. It's the self pride that that says hey. I'm going to be lifted up, but I'm going to be lifted up how? I'm going to be lifted up at the expense of somebody else. And so I'm always critical. I'm always quick to find the fault in somebody else. You see, it's a destructive self-pride that gets itself higher at the expense of other people. And I have to warn you, this is also something that happens to not just relationships to people, but our relationships to organizations too. Right? It's to look at organizations and say, well, you know, they, they, just, they just don't have it together. I mean, they just, somehow they just don't get it right. Right? By the way, Christ followers, there's a Christian form of this disease. It's called, it's called Christian arrogance. Right? It's the Christian arrogance that says, well, I've been following Christ a long time, and I'm a mature Christian, and I know, and, well... They don't. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm a mature Christian, and so I know, and so my maturity is so much more and so much better than everybody else, and somehow those other people just aren't Christian enough, or somehow the organization or the church isn't Christian enough. You've heard that, haven't you? See, this is the self-pride. It's destructive stuff. You see, this is not God's vision for the way we live in relationship with each other, or with our organizations, or with the fellowship, right? We're connected. It's not his vision. What's his vision? Well, he understands that when we live that way, we're headed for destruction. Pride goes before destruction. So he says, listen, give up on that stuff. Instead, you need to live constructive, and that means humility. That we live in a vision of relationships 
and have a vision where we're going to walk in humility with other people. Proverbs, better it is to be a humble spirit with the, with the meek and poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Which is better? Being humble. Being humble. That's God's vision. We should know this. Why? What did Jesus do? He walked humbly before his God, didn't he? Same thing. If we're going to walk in the footsteps and in our relationships, it means the vision God has for our relationship is that we're going to walk humbly with other people. We're going to walk in self-pride. We're going to walk humbly in other people's lives, right? And if you remember Philippians where we said, look, and it's, it's about being other-focused. Notice how that verse starts about being other-focused. Don't be jealous or proud, but be what? Humble. And if you're humble, you'll consider others more important than yourselves. You see how that fits together? God's vision for our life is that we're going to walk just like Jesus did, and we're going to walk humbly. We're going to walk humbly, and we're going to look for the opportunity to serve other people and not be uh, self-serving. The other one for us is uh, the destructive vision is a destructive vision that just steps away from relationships because we fear rejection. That we don't even give our relationships a chance or we don't invest ourselves in relationships because we're just afraid of rejection. And we all know this, right? We all know this, right? Guys, do you remember when you were going to ask that first girl out on a date that you ever asked out on a date? What was your greatest fear? She would say, no. And in a lot of cases, you know what that fear did? You didn't even ask. Right? Sure. And girls, you got your own side, right? Ladies, you got your own side. What was your greatest fear? Your greatest fear was he wasn't going to ask. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, what's rooted in all that? Well, what's rooted in that is this part of us that is just afraid. We're just afraid of being hurt. We're just afraid of being rejected and, and, and being hurt. And this fear of rejection keeps us from investing in other people. And we're going to get hurt. We just need to know that. Relationships, because we're in a broken world, are, there are going to be times we're going to get hurt. But when that happens, destructive vision says, that's it, I'm done, I'm going to put up a wall, I'm not going to let anybody hurt me ever again. Have you heard this? And we build up that wall and we say, I'm going to insulate myself and I'm just never going to be hurt again. But you know what that wall does? It not only keeps other people out, but it imprisons us. And we can't experience the fullness of the vision of what God wants in our relationships. It is a destructive fear of rejection. The counterpart, the vision God has for us, is a constructive vision that says, listen, I am God accepted no matter what. That, that God loves me beyond measure no matter what. That, that God cares for me no matter what. That, that I can fully invest myself. I can take the risk into relationship. Why? Because no matter what happens there, it doesn't change God's relationship with me. And even if I get hurt, I know somebody who's going to wash away my tears. And, and even if it's difficult, I know somebody who's going to walk with me in the difficulty. You see, a constructive relationship, the vision God has for us, is that we'll be so confident in our relationship with Him and so confident and assured by His presence in our life that we will fully enter into relationships with other people. That's His vision. 
that we will fully enter into those relationships so we can fully experience the joy of them. Last one. The destructive vision of the world is a destructive vision that holds on to resentment, right? It's the, I've been hurt, um, I've been disappointed, and we just keep piling up the hurt, we just keep piling up the disappointment, and, and we just build this mountain of resentment until we get to that place where we say, I just want to get even. And that's obviously destructive, right? If you look at Job, resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. Resentment is just destructive to our lives. Constructive, God's vision for our lives is that we will practice forgiveness. Not just for the other person, but for our own well-being as well. That we will just practice forgiveness. That the, the vision of our life is that we will look for the opportunity in our relationships not to get even, but we'll look for the opportunity to be honest, to be open, and just forgive. Just forgive. Paul says, put up with each other. This, I love that phrase. You know what that means? Guys, you may not like me, but you've got to put up with me. Okay? Just put up with me. It's okay. We're connected, right? You don't have to love me, but put up with me, right? Put up with each other and forgive anyone who does you wrong just as Christ has forgiven you, right? The constructive vision is it will practice forgiveness. Okay, there you go. You've got God's vision now, those elements of a constructive vision of relationship, right? Now, you ready for the hard part? You know what this means. This now means you've got to start looking at your relationships and asking the question, am I walking in God's vision? And when you ask that question, you're going to realize there are some relationships that are destructive in your life and you need to walk away from them. You need to walk away from them. Now, don't everybody go out and find a lawyer and get a divorce, okay? That's not what we're talking about here, right? You've got to deal with that destructive relationship that it is. But, but you know what I'm talking about. You know there are relationships in your life that are influencing you and they're taking you down a destructive path. That's not God's vision. And, and you need to just walk away from those relationships. Paul says, um, uh, put up with each other and forgive, right? We did that. But it also says in Hebrews, exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor, spiritual blessing, in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment, and the many become, what? Contaminated and defiled by it. You see, this is what happens when you are in those destructive relationships, they contaminate and they defile. And one destructive relationship can draw you away from that vision that God has for your life. He can, it can draw you away from that vision and it can bleed into your other relationships. You've got to look at your relationships. And, and to some of them, you've got to be able to say, it's time for me to just walk away. Conversely, obviously, you've got to look at your relationships and say, now, which one of my relationships here are the vision God has for me, right? Because we know from uh, Paul, we shouldn't fool ourselves because bad friends are going to destroy us. We already got that. Bad friends are going to destroy us. So we've got to look at our relationship and say, what are the constructive ones? Now, here's the pitch. You, you hear it all the time around Christ Church, right? What does this mean? 
This means this is why we keep telling you if you're not in a small group with other Christ followers, you've got to get in a small group with other Christ followers. Why? Because that's God's vision for a constructive relationship. We're connected. Those are the relationships that are going to feed you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to build you up. They're going to be with you when you're hurting. They're going to be with you in decisions and discernment. You've got to be in those relationships because those are going to edify you and lift you up. Paul says, therefore, encourage, admonish, exhort one another and edify, strengthen and build up one another just as you are doing. You see, these are the relationships we need to seek because these are the ones that are according to God's vision. Now, here's the last one. The last one is to remember that wherever your relationships are right now, there is a God who can heal. There's a God who can heal that Jesus Christ died not just for you. He died for us. He died for our relationships. And He is the only one that can heal our relationships and give us that vision of what God wants for us. Why don't you watch the screens one more time and think about your relationships. <laughs> 